Hello and welcome to The Grove Zone. You have tuned into the podcast of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. At Union Grove, we are learning, serving, giving, and connecting under the leadership of our senior pastor, Dr. David Anthony Clark, Sr. For more information on Union Grove, find us on the web at www. Dot the grovewr.org. And now, here's a word from the Lord. We turn your attention to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6, and uh, we're going to deal with verses 6 through 21. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 21, and I'm going to read the entire passage. It may take a few minutes, but I'm going to read the entire passage of Scripture. Today actually is going to begin, I guess, a mini-series, if you will. I'm going to share a little bit today, then a little bit Wednesday, and some more next Sunday. Uh, we want to look at this text. I want to share something with you. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 21. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. New Living Translation. And throughout the sermon, we'll be using New Living Translation, King James Version. Uh, do pray that you have your Bibles open or have another device where you can uh, have an app open where you can follow along with us in the word of God. First Timothy chapter 6 verse 6, New Living Translation, yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can take any and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So, if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunged them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. But you, Timothy, but you, Timothy, are a man of God. So run from all these evil things. Pursue righteousness and a godly life, along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. And I charge you before God, who gives life to all, and before Christ Jesus, who gave a good testimony before Pontius Pilate, that you obey this command without wavering. Then no one can find fault with you from now until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. The 15th verse says, for at just the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and only almighty God, the King of kings and Lord of all lords. He alone can never die, and he lives in light so brilliant that no, man, that no human can approach him. No human eye has ever seen him, nor ever will. All honor and power to him forever. Amen. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Timothy, Guard what God has entrusted to you. Avoid godless, foolish discussions with those who oppose you with their so-called knowledge. 
Some people have wandered from the faith by following such foolishness. May God's grace be with you all. Amen. Want to uh, extract our our theme for uh, today, Wednesday, and next Sunday from verse number eleven. Verse number eleven, where Paul says, "But you, Timothy, are a man of God, so run from all these evil things." But but you, Timothy, and that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk from the thought, "But you, but you." That's our theme for today and Wednesday coming. And next Sunday, if the Lord says the same, I want to talk to you from the thought, but you, part one, but you, part one. Uh, I imagine Timothy was overwhelmed and excited to receive this letter from his spiritual father, the Apostle Paul. Paul and Timothy had a special bond. Paul referred to Timothy as his true son in the faith. Paul told the saints at Philippi he had no other help as genuine and caring as Timothy. Timothy accompanied Paul on several missionary journeys. Paul circumcised Timothy so that he would be accepted by Jews to whom they would evangelize. This speaks volumes of Timothy. It shows us that Paul believed in Timothy. And Paul so believed in Timothy that he would leave him with newly established congregations such as the Ephesian saints to provide leadership. He mentioned Timothy as a co-sender in salutations of six letters that he had written. In this letter, which bears Timothy's name, he encouraged Timothy so he'd maximize his potential and be the next generation of advancing God's kingdom. Some scholars believe that Paul wrote Timothy this letter shortly after Paul left Ephesus for Macedonia on what is commonly referred to as Paul's third missionary journey. He hoped to soon return to Ephesus, but when it looked as if he would not return anytime soon, he wrote Timothy this letter. He wants to encourage Timothy. There was a lot of weight on Timothy's shoulders. When he received this letter from Paul, he was serving the saints in Ephesus. He was responsible for refuting false teachings, providing oversight for the growing Ephesian church, and appointing qualified church leaders. This would be a challenge for such a young, timid, gifted person like Timothy. It would be imperative then that Timothy would receive this letter and, and, and be infused with the courage, the mental toughness, and the stamina that Paul and God wanted him to have. For the times in which Paul and Timothy served were not easy times for a Jewish man like Paul or a half-Jew, half-Greek man like Timothy. Please keep in mind that Paul and Timothy are servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. The same Jesus who, as a Jewish man, was lynched on a cross between two other Jews on that one fateful Friday afternoon. Jews did not crucify people. The Romans did that. The Jews were under Roman oppression. The Romans crucified, lynched Jews to incite fear and terror in other Jews to ensure they would stay in their place. These crucifixions took place in settings where everybody could see them so they'd know the same fate may await them if they stepped out of line with their Roman oppressor, oppressors. Roman oppression was real in the days of Paul and Timothy. Some scholars report that it was nothing for a Roman soldier to rape Jewish women. They would pilfer Jewish farmers' crops. They would stop a Jewish man who was minding his own business and have him carry another man's cross like Simon of Cyrene carrying Jesus' cross. A Roman soldier would stop a Jewish man who was minding his own business and have him carry his, his backpack. And that's uh, what entered the minds of Jesus' audience 
when he taught them in his sermon on the mount, if you're asked to carry a pack one mile, go ahead and carry it too. And if a Jew was harassed or killed by a Roman soldier, nothing would be done about it. Things would go on as if Jews' lives didn't matter. Roman oppression was real in the days of Paul and Timothy. And if the pervasiveness of Roman oppression was not enough, Paul and Timothy also had to deal with persecution from their own people. Paul encountered trouble with some of his fellow Jews while ministering with Silas in Thessalonica, Berea, and Jerusalem. He caught hell from his own people. It's one thing to suffer because of people who don't look like you, who don't believe what you believe, and who are not oppressed like you. But when you also suffer at the hands of those who look just like you and are oppressed just as you are, it's a whole different thing. And we deal with the same thing today as African Americans and other minorities in the United States of America. We also can deal with oppression, modern day lynchings, police brutality, injustice from others, and harassment even from our very own. Yet with all of this oppression, with all of this persecution, Paul remained committed to the movement of advancing the kingdom of God. And when Paul wrote his spiritual son, Timothy, he did so in hopes that, that Timothy, the next generation of leadership, would be committed to advancing the kingdom of God as well. He wanted his spiritual son to remain committed to working for the movement of God's kingdom despite everything that worked against them. This is why Paul encouraged Timothy to not be like them. If you look at verse 9, you'll see who, who they are, who Paul is trying to get Timothy not to be like in verse 9. Basically, what Paul is telling Timothy, don't be like them who, who are in such pursuit of wealth that they, are, that they fall into temptation and traps by many foolish and harmful desires. Don't, don't be like them, Timothy. Don't be like them in verse 10. For, for they have the love of money, which is the root of all kinds of evil. They, Timothy, crave money. And, have, and, and as a result, they've wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Timothy, don't be like them. Timothy, that, that's how they are. But you are a man of God. You are called to be distinct. You are called to be content. While they want to be wealthy, while they want to be greedy, while they want what equates to power, prestige, and prominence, they want wealth at any cost. It doesn't matter who they hurt. It, they don't care who they step on. It doesn't matter what, what communities they destroy. They want wealth and greed. That's all that matters to them. And Paul told Timothy in verse 11, but you, but you, Timothy, be distinct. Be content. This word contentment simply means, this word contentment means uh, it's a state of mind. It is a calm. It is a satisfied feeling. It, it is a freedom from murmuring and complaining. It's a peace of mind. Some define it as a sufficiency of the necessities of life. Some even go so far as to say that this contentment is a mind that is satisfied with its lot in life. Be content is what Paul told Timothy. Be content. Despite all the oppression, despite the persecution from those who don't look like you and those who do, Tim, be content. Be content. That's what Paul told Timothy. That's, that's what he told him. He's, he's refuting the notion that you could be happier if you had more money or you could be happier if you had a bigger house or could afford more things. Uh, Paul believed there was an unshakable measure of contentment to be found in a commitment to godliness. 
Paul must have been pouring into Timothy what kept him going while he was incarcerated in a Roman jail cell. Maybe that's what Paul is getting this from, that you can find contentment in a commitment to godliness along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. My question is, how in the world can you be content when you're under the oppression of others? How in the world can you be content when you're dealing with persecution and harassment from people who, who are your own people? How, 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 can, how can black folk in the United States of America in 2020 find contentment with all that we're dealing with? And I believe that what Paul told Timothy over 2,000 years ago can help all of us today in these yet-to-be United States of America in this 21st century. Let me give you a few things real quick, and we're going to raise up. How, how can you be content? Number one, flee and be content. That's what Paul told Timothy, and that's what Paul would tell us today. Flee and be content. Flee and be content. I'm in verse number 11. In verse 11, Paul told Timothy, but thou, O man of God, flee these things. Flee these things. The world, they run to these things. These things being materialism, greed, the love of money, domination and oppression of others. Some people will do anything to get those things. But Paul told Timothy, but you, you're not to do that. You are to flee, flee materialism, flee greed, flee, run from the love of money, avoid domination and the oppression of others. You must run from those things. But hear me good, y'all, hear me good. Paul was not forbidding Timothy from getting rich. He was not encouraging Timothy to take a vow of poverty. Wealth is not evil. Being rich is not sin. Money is not the root of all evil. The word of God says the love of money is the root of all evil. Paul's concern regarding Timothy, who was so young and gifted, was his falling into a wealth trap of greed, dominating and oppressing, oppressing others and or straying away from God. And believe it or not, those traps are real. Those traps are real. And don't get me wrong. Poverty itself is a trap. And most of the Jews in Paul and Timothy's time were not only poor, they were very poor. Most Jews in the time of Jesus, in the time of Paul and Timothy, most Jews would barely have enough clothes and food. But Paul was to avoid the traps that come along with pursuing wealth. Pursuing wealth is not a sin. It just comes along with traps and temptations. And Paul is telling Timothy, avoid those traps. Avoid those temptations. I believe Dave Chappelle can help us better understand this. Comedian Dave Chappelle in 2005 was offered $55 million to renew his contract for the Dave Chappelle show. But he declined. He declined on the 50, $55 million deal, walked away from it, and, 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 and to get his head straight, he went to South Africa for two weeks to just, to just kind of get himself together and think about what in the world was going on. After having such a successful run with the Dave Chappelle Show, the Comedy Central station offered him $55 million to renew his contract. Dave denied. He, 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 he declined on renewing the contract. In various interviews, he shares different metaphors and, and that really boil down to the same thing, the same reason as to why Dave did not renew his contract for $55 million. 
dollars. Uh, he, he did not want to become a controlled slave to Comedy Central. In one interview, he shared how no one will offer you that much money without having some control over your end of the deal. Dave concluded that it wasn't worth the money. Dave would tell all of us that there are traps associated with pursuing wealth. And I believe he would also tell us. And Paul and Timothy would echo the same thing. All money ain't good money. Why was Timothy to flee? Why was he to flee from the love of money and the desire to dominate and oppress others? Paul would tell us because he was a man of God. Timothy was a man of God. He, he belonged to God. He was, he was different. He was not to be bought by the Roman government. That would jeopardize his preaching of the gospel. He was not to build his wealth by hustling poor Jews. He was called to advance God's kingdom. And anyone who will do that cannot serve God and mammon, according to the words of our Savior. Timothy would have to flee what would pull him away from his purpose. All money ain't good money. Paul boosted Timothy's self sense of identity and worth in calling him a man of God. He had purpose. It was bigger than money. It was bigger than wealth. He had something that money could not buy. And he had something that, that no one could repossess, that no one could foreclose on. Paul, Timothy, Timothy had an anointing. Timothy had an identity from God that the world had not given him and the world could not take away. He belonged to God. He belonged to God's people. He, he had destiny awaiting him. And Paul didn't want greed or the desire to dominate others to derail him. Timothy, as a man of God, hear me, y'all, was called to be an eagle rather than a peacock. Wealth in dominating others set a trap of living as a materialistic, greedy peacock. And we have enough peacocks on social media posting stuff. And as my wife loves to say, posting things, acting as if, acting like they're not post to be. We have a way too many peacocks in the pulpit in America. Flee, Paul would tell Timothy. Paul tells you and me, flee. Flee, avoid the traps, the temptations that come along with pursuing wealth. Flee and be content. Secondly, Paul told Timothy, follow and be content. Follow and be content. I'm still in verse number 11. In verse 11, Paul tells Timothy, uh, but thou, O man of God, follow, flee these things. And here it is. Follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. What Timothy is to follow, what he is to pursue, he, he is to keep pursuing. That, that word pursue, that word follow, comes with it. A language where Tim, this is something Timothy would have to remain engaged in. That all the days of Timothy's life, he'd have to follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. In other words, with all of Timothy's life, with every breath, every opportunity, Timothy was to strive to become more, to, to, to grow as a righteous person, one with moral rectitude, someone who has morals and boundaries, a list of things that they just ain't going to do. Doesn't matter how much money they may be offered. Doesn't matter how much money they may make. Doesn't matter who may never find out. Righteousness in this, in this context is a moral rectitude where you just, you're going to do the right thing. No matter who's, who's looking. No matter who may never find out. Godliness is what he's encouraged to pursue. To become more like God. Faith. To believe God with an unequivocal, unequivocal, un, uh, unshakable faith. In God, He is to pursue. He is to follow, becoming more loving. And this word here is the word agape, which is unconditional love. 
Timothy, despite all of the oppression that you have to endure, become more loving. Timothy, despite the persecution you have to endure from your own people, Timothy, commit to following after, growing in, maturing in unconditional love. Then Paul told him to grow in patience, which is better translated endurance. Paul is encouraging Timothy, become the man who can endure. You can endure despite the hardships that other people put in your life. You can hang. You can, you can hang in there and endure. You can be steadfast. You can be constant. You can hold up under trials in a God-honoring manner. That's what he means by patience or endurance. And then Paul told, told Timothy, follow after meekness. Strive to become, to become a, a person who's in control of his own spirit. That you get angry, but you don't overdo it when you get angry. You get angry, but you don't go burn down other people's property when you're angry. You get, you, you get, you're, you get in your feelings, but you remain in control. You don't get out of control with what you do or what you say, or how you treat people, or what you do to people. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is controlled strength. I can be angry without going overboard. I can manage my emotions and be in control of how I feel and yet honor God. Paul, in other words, wanted Timothy to follow these things that would make him a man of character. Character, y'all. Character that we should all hope would be contagious. We need righteousness, love, godliness, endurance, and gentleness everywhere. We need these traits in every police department, on every judge's bench, in every C-suite and management office, in every seat, in every jury box. We need righteousness, love, godliness, endurance, and gentleness in every workplace, every school, every household, every church, every district attorney's office, every lending institution, every community, every level of government, and every media outlet. Basically, what Paul was telling Timothy when he told him to follow after these things, he was telling Timothy, Tim, as you lead God's people and serve in his church, Tim, no matter how aggravated you get, no matter how slow the progress may be, no matter who critiques you and, 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 and just says all kinds of things and, and criticizing you unfairly, Timothy, what you do is you demonstrate righteousness. You demonstrate love. You demonstrate endurance. You demonstrate gentleness. Timothy, as you, as you raise up leaders for the saints in Ephesus, do so, do so as a righteous man. A loving man, a man who can endure, and a gentleman. And then, Tim, 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 if you are ever pulled over by the police, remember to demonstrate righteousness, love, endurance, and gentleness. If they ever, if they ever come up in your house, your own house, and, and arrest you in your own house, Tim, remember, you're a man of God. But you must demonstrate righteousness, love, faith, endurance and gentleness and, and Timothy Timothy when they don't get it Timothy when, when they just don't get it when when they don't understand and they say post or tweet insensitive things or Tim Tim what may be the worst thing of all when they touch your hair without your permission Tim what you do is you remember you follow righteousness love endurance and gentleness and all the sisters said amen 
Why? Why was Timothy to follow righteousness? Why was he to live a godly life with love, endurance, and godliness? Because these things suggest a life of holiness and living holy matters. Living holy really really matters you must live you and i must live consistently and relentlessly believing that holy lives matter regardless how they live you no matter how ungodly they are you and i are to live as though living holy matters living holy is what the kingdom of god is all about Timothy was to be committed to a movement of advancing the kingdom of God. And regardless as to what they would do, he, as a child of God, as one who belongs to God, was to live and serve in advancing God's kingdom. Even though you can live as holy as Jesus did, there will be some people who will still perceive you as a threat. You can be as holy as Jesus and still end up labeled as a problem. As a matter of fact, Jesus himself would tell all of us, you can live as holy as holiness can be lived and still end up locked up. You can still end up in a trial that you, that you have no business participating in. You can still be lied on. You can still be mocked, whipped all night long, beaten beyond recognition, hands and feet pierced by nails and lynched on an old rugged cross. But live holy and live holy with a vision. Live holy with the vision of advancing God's kingdom because this advancing, God, uh, advancing God's kingdom is to be done by those who envision a world where righteousness, love, patience, and godliness will be dominant. The norm easily found in every sector of society. Follow after these things and be content. So my question to Paul, my question to anyone else who would agree with Paul would simply be, how does following these things bring contentment? How does following a life of holiness bring contentment? And I believe Paul would tell us following these things can help you feel content when you know you're living as part of the solution rather than part of the problem. When you see wickedness and evil in every sector of society, your commitment to make the world better and what will make America great finally for everybody, finally, it can bring an incomparable level of contentment. Contentment comes from living so that you are the antithesis to wickedness, evil, hate and oppression. And you are part of the solution rather than part of the problem. And then the contentment, y'all, the level of contentment that can also come when you see someone filled with Someone who embodies unrighteousness, hate, ungodliness, and wickedness get convicted of their sins and repent and give their lives to Christ. To see sinners converted into saints who used to fight against the kingdom and now they've been converted and born again in the kingdom and fighting for the kingdom uh, uh, is a, it's a thing that can bring a joy to your soul. So follow Follow and be content. Follow after what makes you more like Christ. Follow after becoming more like him. Follow the characteristics of the kingdom that will make you part of the solution rather than part of the problem. And we are ensured that we will find contentment, peace, calm satisfaction so we should follow and be content we should flee and be content and finally y'all paul would tell us fight and be content fight and be content i'm in verse number 12 fight and be content here's what he says fight the good fight for the true faith hold tightly to the eternal life to which god has called you which you have declared so well before many witnesses fight 
comes from the Greek word agonizo, which means to enter a contest. Uh, oftentimes it would refer to uh, the gymnastic games, but it was to contend with adversaries. It, it literally meant to, to fight, but fight to win. Not just fight for the heck of it, but fight to win. Paul would tell Timothy and you and I, who are sick and tired of being sick and tired, that we can find contentment to fight. And in, in, in doing so, we must fight the real fight, the real enemy. For there are forces fighting to perpetuate darkness, unrighteousness, ungodliness, wickedness, and evil. And Timothy had to serve as a warrior. That's why he had to stir up the gift that was in him. Paul couldn't stir it up for him. God would not stir it up for him. The saints would not stir it up for him. Timothy had to stir up the gift within him himself. And maybe that's what you and I have to do. Stir up the gifts, the anointings within us. And coupled with that frustration of the current state of affairs. While we talk about what they should be doing. And what they should stop doing. And what they need to stop doing. And what they need. And what they and them and those and them. Um, Paul would talk to us about what we need to do. But you. But you flee from what will pull you away from God. Follow after what will make you more resemble God and fight for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Fight for it. It's not going to advance without a fight. And the warriors in the kingdom of God, even in the times in which we live, especially in the times in which we live, y'all, we got to keep it kingdom. You got to fight to advance the kingdom of God. Is anybody praying with me? And Paul, praise God. He had his spiritual father to empower him, to believe in him, and to, to advance God's kingdom. Timothy is called to fight a determined enemy, a well-resourced enemy, an enemy that can seem indefatigable, sometimes seeming, seeming to be insurmountable and indestructible. But somewhere I read, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Greater is he who is in you as a child of God than he who is in the world. Y'all, if that word don't do anything else for you, it ought to put some fight in the dog. And you know as well as I know that the outcome of the fight is not determined by the size of the dog in the fight. What matters is how much fight is in the dog. This is a fight for the kingdom. The kingdom of God is not personal. It's not personal. It's not, it goes deeper than black and white. It goes deeper than, than, than oppressed versus oppress, oppression of those who are oppressed and, and those who oppress. It's about the kingdom of God. It's not personal. It's, it's spiritual. It's, it's, it's Timothy to fight for what Jesus prayed for. Jesus prayed, taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the kingdom ain't coming unless violent folk take it by force. Unless we fight and fight with the weapons God gives us. The kingdom will not come in the earth unless those of us who are born again and inhabit that kingdom, are citizens of that kingdom, fight to advance that kingdom. No matter how much oppression we deal with, no matter how much persecution we, in, we endure from our very own, we yet fight to advance the kingdom of God. This is what Jesus taught us. This is what Jesus lived for. The kingdom is what Jesus bled for. The kingdom is what Jesus died for. The kingdom is what Jesus is coming back for. The kingdom of God is the only thing that will last forever. So I want to close by encouraging every Christian warrior to fight on. Fight on. March on. Move on. Fight back. Fight back with spiritual warfare. Fight back in the election booth. Fight back 
in peaceful protests. Fight back in the courts. Fight back and get new legislation passed. Fight back on your knees in prayer, but fight back. And we are where we are as black people because so many people have fought back. They fought wickedness with righteousness. They fought hate with love. They fought lies with the truth. They had to fight hopelessness with hope in God that he was on their side. So fight back as one who is on the Lord's side. Believe that those of us who are on the Lord's side shall win. Believe that love will win. Believe that holiness will win. Fight and believe that moral rectitude will win. Believe that godly character helps you win. I wish I had some help in here. Type in those comments, I'm going to fight and I'm going to win. And don't, it doesn't matter who we're up against. No, there's no devil in hell that can prevent the, the, the advancement of God's kingdom. This is the church of the living God. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So no matter what happens, no matter how many times we may seem to get knocked down, we get back up and we keep on fighting. And all of us in any current generation have to fight, have to fight and train the next generation how to fight to advance the kingdom kingdom of God. We may encounter some setbacks sometimes, but we get right back up and we keep on fighting. Is anybody praying with me today? Yes, they can burn down Black Wall Street, but you can still win. They can bomb our houses and your ch and our churches, but you can still win. They can lynch and incarcerate our men and boys, but the people of God can still win. They can gun your hero down on the balcony of the Lorraine Motel in Memphis, Tennessee, but we can still win. I'm going to tell you we can still win because I've seen. I've seen how they can put a crown of thorns on your head and you can still win. I've seen how they can put nails in your hands and feet and you can still win. I know they can put your death plague body in a borrowed grave on a Friday evening, but you can still win because Sunday morning has got to come around. Weeping may endure for a night, but a joyful morning has got to come around. God has a way of making sure righteousness prevails and love prevails. God has a way of making sure that godliness prevails with God on our side. Who can stand against us and win? Is anybody praying with me? I'm going to close with some words from a poem I, and I still rise from Dr. Maya Angelou. Just a few words and she said, you may write me down in history with your bitter twisted lies. You may trod me in the very dirt, but still like dust I'll rise is anybody praying with me hallelujah just like moons and like suns with certainty of tides just like hope springing high still I'll rise did you want to see me broken bowed head and lowered eyes shoulder falling down like teardrops weakened by my soulful cries you may shoot me with your words you may cut me with your eyes you may kill me with your hatefulness but still like air I'll I'll rise out of the huts of history shame I rise up from a past that's rooted in pain I rise I'm a black ocean leaping and wide welling and swelling I bear in the tide leaving behind nights of terror and, and fear I rise into a daybreak that's wondrously clear I rise bringing the gifts that my ancestors gave I am the dream and the hope of the slave I rise I rise I rise they may try to knock you down they may try to keep you down they may try to persecute and harass you and keep you from moving ahead but you but you but you
you're going to make it. But you, you're going to be all right. But you, God is going to prosper the works of your hands. But you, you're going to be all right. In the words of Kendrick Lamar, you're going to be all right. You and your family, y'all going to be all right. You and your household, y'all going to be all right. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. If you flee from what God tells you to free from, follow what God tells you to follow. Fight for what God tells you to fight. And you, you going to be all right. And when it's all over and somebody asks you, how did you win that battle? How did you overcome? How did you make it as far as you made it? All of us got to join, join in the song and sing together. It was nobody but you, Lord. Nobody but you. When we were in trouble, you brought us over. It was nobody but you. I'm finished. God be praised. God be glorified. Hallelujah. He is on the side of those who will side with him and advance his kingdom and flee the love of money, greed, materialism, domination, and the oppression of others. Follow after what makes you more like Christ. Amen. And fight for the advancement of the kingdom of God. That's what we need in the earth today. What we are dealing with is a, is a battle for the kingdom of God. Would you join me and advance that kingdom, that kingdom of light, that kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is worth fighting for, is worth living for, is worth dying for. Amen. This has been Dr. David Anthony Clark of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. We thank you for listening. If you're ever in the Middle Georgia area, please worship with us. On the behalf of Dr. Clark and the Union Grove family, thank you for listening.